0: 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 17 and going to the end of the chapter now. The word of God from this Pauline epistle. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. And one is hungry, and another is drunk. What? What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. And, but if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest ye come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come a beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the third part of a three-part message that I first preached. I first preached the first two parts, I think a couple of years ago now, as we were starting to study what it meant to walk together as a church. And uh, since that time, I never had opportunity to get back and finish it off. So we're going to look a little bit at the first two parts today of this message and then focus on the third part. Our text is verses 14. Our text then is uh, verses uh, 23 through 34 in which we see that the Lord's Supper is a holy meal it's a holy meal which celebrates commemoration communion and consummation it celebrates it celebrates commemoration communion and consummation now the sacraments of course are signs and seals of the covenant of grace uh, they are sense what we call sensible signs. They are what we call sensible signs. And they are means of grace. They are means of blessing for us. They are intimately connected with the Word of God. They are intimately connected with the Word of God. And they, that's why only a minister of the gospel is to preach or is to administer the sacraments. The word sacrament comes from a Latin word, sacramentum, which means a pledge, a pledge. But primarily, when we look at the sacraments, we see that this is what God does. It is what God does. As Christ and the benefits of the new covenant, Christ and the benefits of the new covenant are represented, sealed, and applied to believers. And so we have here then, uh, in this uh, passage, uh, we see here then the whole idea of the necessity of coming before the Lord in terms of communion and fellowship with God and having the very blessing of God upon us. Now, as we look at our passage then, uh, we see, first of all, Uh, the commemoration we are called upon to remember you notice in verse 24 and when he had given thanks he broke the bread and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me now this idea of remembrance then of commemoration of remembrance this word then is used throughout scripture We find it used twice here in 1 Corinthians 11, 24, and 25, and it's used in other places as well. The question then is, what is it that we are remembering? What is it that we are remembering? Well, we are remembering, first of all, the Passover, if you will. We're remembering that old covenant meal, the Passover, with the deliverance from Egypt and the exodus out of the house of bondage. We're also remembering the triumph, we're remembering the triumph over, uh, over the enemy. And so that's what we're remembering in terms of the Passover, which leads to the Lord's Supper. In terms of the Lord's Supper, we are looking backwards to the sacrifice of Christ. We're looking backwards, we're looking backwards this afternoon, we're remembering what Christ did at the cross, First of all, the bread showing forth his body, his broken body, his giving of his whole self, body, and soul. And in the wine, we remember the blood, his suffering and death, and the new covenant and the new testament, if you will. We're remembering what Christ has done in terms of his sacrifice. And so we have then commemoration, remembering, but we also have communion. You know, the Lord's Supper is often referred to as communion. It actually is called a number of things. It's called the Holy Meal. It's called the breaking of bread. It's called the Eucharist, which means the Feast of Thanksgiving. But it's also referred to as communion. You see, in communion, we have communion with each other. That koinonia, that fellowship with each other. We are one spiritual body if we belong to Christ. We are one body because we are partakers of the one bread. And so there is a necessity of mutual love and care. But more than that, we experience communion with each other in terms of this sacrament itself. We we enjoy the common actions and symbols. We all partake together together we all see the the administration of the sacrament in front of us. We have a common faith. We have common affections toward Christ. We have common participation in the blessings and benefits of salvation. We have mutual love and affection and mutual communication and mutual service. And so we have communion with each other. But at the same time, At the same time, we have communion with Christ. We have communion of the blood of Christ. If you look back in chapter 10, you see the cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? We have communion with the blood of Christ. There's a mutual communication between Jesus and his elect as his blood pleads for us. But we also have the communion of the body of Christ. Again, chapter 10, the bread which we break. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? There is mutual communication, mutual agreement with regard to his body as he is Emmanuel, God with us. He has taken on human flesh. And so we have communion with Christ. We are partakers of the Lord's table. But notice again from chapter 10 where Paul says that we dare not partake with demons. Did you notice that? Verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. And so you see here then the necessity of re- resisting the world, of rejecting the world's system, of not partaking of the world's way of doing things, because to do so is, as Paul says here, partaking of the table of demons. There are demonic forces behind false idolatrous worship, and therefore we should not participate in such. So we have commemoration, remembering. We have communion, fellowship, and now we have consummation, which is being portrayed. That is to say, the future. As a matter of fact, one preacher put it this way, in the Lord's Supper, we have a memorial of a departed friend, the one who has died, we remember him. We have a parable, a picture of a present friend, that is to say, the Lord Jesus, who is is alive and with us. And we have a prophecy of a coming friend. And now we come then thirdly to the consummation. Notice verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 11. For as often as, as, often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The word there is cont- uh, contagello. hear the word angel or messenger message in there to show forth to proclaim to declare to preach is the way it's translated in the new testament to declare to preach or even to teach you see in terms of the lord's supper there is a proclamation we are proclaiming something we are first of all confessing among ourselves. We are saying, as it were, to each other, we are celebrating what the Lord has done in terms of his death, but also in terms of his resurrection and his coming again. But it is also a public proclamation to the world. and This is one of the reasons why the sacraments are publicly administered. This is the visible word, which you see here today, is the visible Word of God to you, to those who are members of the Church, to those who may not be members of the Church. It is the visible Word being enacted in front of you, and it is we are proclaiming the Lord, and indeed we are proclaiming the Lord's death. For the Lord's Supper focuses primarily on the sufferings of Christ. But there's also, you see, not just the sufferings that we proclaim, but there's also a proclamation of the resurrection and the ascension for it is the living Christ who is the host of this meal. Jesus is the unseen, not guest, He's the unseen host. So we don't see him. Children, you don't, you're not going to see Jesus with your physical eyes today. But he is here. He is really here. That's the reality that we see here in terms of this proclamation. We proclaim the Lord's death, and by implication, we also proclaim then his, ere- his resurrection and his ascension, for it is the living Christ who resides in heaven, who by his spirit is really here and is the meal's host. And so we proclaim then the Lord's death, notice what it says, till he comes. Till he comes. And of course we read tonight, uh, this afternoon from Revelation chapter 22, and in verse 17 we read, and the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And verse 20, he who testifies to these things, that is Jesus, he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. And John adds, Amen. So let it be. Even so, come. Lord Jesus till he comes till he comes. For you see someday my friends, every eye shall see him. every eye shall see Jesus and they, we are told, they who as it were, put him to death, they shall look on him whom they have pierced faith then shall become sight and at that point there will be no more need for the sacrament of communion because we will forever and ever and ever be really physically in the presence of Christ. There was a a great theologian by the name of Samuel Rutherford who wrote a poem some years ago he lived in the 1600s long time ago let me read you some of the stanzas the sands of time are sinking the dawn of heaven breaks the summer morn I've sighed for the fair sweet morn awakes dark dark had been the midnight but day spring is at hand and glory Glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. The king there in his beauty without a veil is seen. It were a well-spent journey, though seven deaths lay between. The lamb with his fair army doth on Mount Zion stand. And glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. O Christ, he is the fountain, the deep, "'Sweet well of love, the streams on earth, "'I've tasted more deep, I'll drink above. "'There is an ocean fullness, his mercy doth expand, "'and glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. "'The bride eyes not her garment, "'but her dear bridegroom's face. "'I will not gaze at glory, but on my King of grace.' Not at the crown he giveth, but on his pierced hand. It's all the glory of Emmanuel's land. That's the reality. That is the hope. That is the expectation that someday we will see the Lord Jesus himself. For glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. Two observations and then three brief points of application. First of all, there is a note of triumph in the Lord's Supper. There's a note of triumph in the Lord's Supper as we participate today because the King is coming. Do you hear that, children? The King is coming. And so there's a note of triumph in the Lord's Supper. But my friends, note also But there is a note of judgment in the Lord's Supper. For unworthy partaking leads to condemnation. As we read here in 1 Corinthians 11, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Unworthy partaking of this communion meal leads to God's judgment. And my friends, at Christ's second coming, there will be judgment for those who are outside of him. Remember, we observe this till he comes. It'll be a day of glory. It'll be a day of judgment. And we're reminded of that in the communion as well. So in terms of application, please remember that there will be fuller participation in glory. There will be fuller participation in glory. The symbolic that we have here with the bread and the wine, the symbolic will be fulfilled. The faith will become sight. And therefore, my friends, I urge you, be sure to embrace the Lord Jesus by faith in the here and now. Repent of your sins. Repent of your sins. And embrace the Lord Jesus by faith and faith alone. Amen. Will you please stand for prayer? And now, our Father, we pray that this message would be applied to our hearts through the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Amen.